When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. If you have not already subscribed, please click on the link to subscribe so that I am motivated to keep doing these if you are enjoying them. Um, Also, then you have access to all my bonus episodes, um, and the next one's probably going to be bonus on uh, sibling rivalry. Um, Anyhow, today I wanted to talk about the idea of being the person that you... um, think deserves the stuff that you want in your marriage. So like it's real well and good to say everybody deserves unconditional love, but that's only true in childhood. You know, I mean, when you're a kid, you could be like, you know, ugly and stupid and whatever, and your parents should still love you. And they probably shouldn't even think you're ugly and stupid in a best case scenario. Now, many people do not get this. And in fact, um, in dysfunctional families, uh, people are thought of as much worse than they are. Uh, I wrote a post about that, that in dysfunctional families, the phrase, a face only a mother can love, doesn't make any sense because your mother doesn't like your face the most out of anybody. <laughs> I mean, I laugh, but it's true for those of us who grew up in a, in a dysfunctional family, frequently the standards for you were higher than for even strangers. So like everybody else could have thought you were pretty great, but at home, that wasn't necessarily the case, uh, which can lead to a lot of self-esteem issues and attachment issues, etc. However, um, everybody's on board with the fact that ideally kids deserve a parent to be unconditionally loving and to think they're pretty great. And parents of today frequently overdo that by praising the kid for wiping his ass correctly. And that's a little bit of an overshoot. But uh, I've discussed that constantly. So there's no need to get into that today. Um, However, in adulthood, people seem to think that this is also correct. Like once you're married, then you also deserve unconditional love no matter how you act, what you do, how you look, what you say, whether or not you um, touch them, kiss them, love them, laugh at their jokes, anything, that the person should just be nice to you anyway. No, I mean... No, obviously that doesn't make any sense, right? So frequently I see people in couples counseling that say, yeah, basically um, marriage isn't a tit for tat, which I agree with. There should not be overall feeling of scorekeeping and competition. But they take that to the extreme. Like, so basically there's no marital contract. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. But the other person should still remain married and be happy. Why? This makes no sense. These are two adults. Adults equally deserve to be loved and treated well in a marriage. So this is not a parent-child relationship. And in fact, the people that mostly say that they don't want a parent-child relationship, what they mean is that they don't like the current imbalance, but maybe they might like a different imbalance where they were winning. Well, sure. So like a woman that says, I do more of the childcare, 
Um, she still wants more, usually in an unhappy marriage, she wants more of something else that also wouldn't be fair. So she wants more leeway to never have sex, you know, or whatever it is. So frequently people are not trying to be very fair. They're really just trying to get more than they give. And this is not going to be a recipe for success. So here I'm talking about doing a deep dive of introspection. Are you really somebody that deserves a partner like the one that you think you deserve? Are you? Because let's think about it. So there's many men, they want their women, uh, their wives to sleep with them all the time, or at least you know, frequently, but then they sit around, they don't do much, they slump around, they're not dressed well, they haven't exercised in 15 years, you know, they don't really act very dynamic or confident or fun to be around, they just kind of coasting, and for just kind of coasting, why would you have a loving, happy, affectionate, sexual partner? You're just going to have somebody that coasts also. That is only what makes sense. And it's not that just by being married and showing up, you would deserve to have an awesome uh, sex life. I do believe that part of the marital contract is sex. So, I mean, I don't think that that schlumpy man should be completely celibate, but I don't think that he is going to be getting the level of sex that he would be getting if he turned himself more into a proactive, attractive, confident, dynamic presence, right? Similarly, there are women that expect that they should never have sex and should be deferred to on everything uh, and be completely... um, kind of the the ultimate authority in all matters of child rearing, all matters of the home. And, but in reality, they're not giving anything. They're not giving affection. They're not giving love. They refuse to admit that the man's love language is is genuinely sex. They're like, insist that it must be something like having his children taken care of which is not any man's love language. And so they're not really giving anything. So then when their husband is very difficult and doesn't defer to them and treat them like a princess, I wonder why. Because they're not bringing really anything to the table. So if people that are kind of coasting in their marriage were to get on the dating market and act similarly, they would have absolutely no success at all. So if this schlumpy man that I describe, if he just went on a date with a new hot woman, he's sitting across from her, he doesn't make any conversation, he answers in one word, he kind of scratches himself and gazes off into the distance in between the times that he is in his phone scrolling aimlessly, this woman is going to get up and walk out. So he's not going to get laid that night. And it should not be a shock that he wouldn't get laid that night in his marriage either if he's not bringing anything to the table. Similarly, if a woman that has really phoned in being an attractive, uh, loving partner for the past 10 years, say, were to act the same on a first date, this would entail she goes out with this attractive man, he sits down, they're sitting at dinner, he opens up the menu, and she immediately tells him all his choices are wrong, what exactly he should order, why he continues to be so foolish as to pick the wrong thing, and then she goes off on a 15-minute rant about the children and uh, how they are not being challenged at school. 
what the hell? This man is going to walk out if he has any brains, right? But yet that woman, if she came into marital counseling, would say, why doesn't my husband want to treat me better? Why isn't he bringing me flowers? Why isn't he telling me I'm beautiful? Because you're not acting beautiful, just like the man in the example is not acting uh, very masculine, dynamic, assertive, and really attractive. So if you are not really trying to bring your A game to be an attractive partner, now this is not every day, certainly, you know, people have down days, down weeks, but if it's been like a down month or year and you're still thinking that the other person should be bringing their A game, that doesn't make any sense. So we want to kind of bring the realm of the reasonable and the rational into our thoughts about our marriage so that it doesn't become some fairy story in which we are the beleaguered victim uh, being oppressed by our spouse. Whenever people have a black and white worldview about this, it's always related to your family of origin in which you were fed a lot of stories where it's very black and white. There was a victim and a perpetrator, good guy and bad guy. And now you're seeing your marriage the same way when it isn't. It's two people trying to get through their life. And if they can understand one another and have some moments of comfort and connection from one another, this is a good situation. But if they are viewing one another as the problem, then frequently those moments of comfort and connection that make a marriage worth worthwhile are impossible to have because we are viewing each other in a very distorted lens, colored with unexamined uh, assumptions and expectations from likely an unhappy relationship that we saw growing up. Because people who saw a very happy marriage growing up with affection and connection, uh, they're usually drawn to the same thing. And if they're not, then they get out kind of quick. But it's people who stay in very unhappy marriages where there is no closeness. Usually they saw the same thing growing up. So they kind of assume that this is what they um, really are meant to have in life and what everybody has, which is not true. There are marriages that are a source of sustenance, emotional, physical, and um, that both people feel very fulfilled by. It's, it's so amusing on a, you know, black humor kind of way, morbidly amusing, that uh, people come into couples counseling and if they're very unhappy, they're like, but isn't everybody? I mean, in real life, come on, isn't everybody kind of unhappily married? No, 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 no. And I usually say, listen, 60% of the world is securely attached. You know, it's between 60 and 70%. Most of those people, honestly, they're in pretty happy marriages. The divorce rate is highest among the people who came from unhappy marriages themselves and thereby have attachment issues. So they are not happily married. And, you know, the divorce rate of 50% that everybody talks about is 50% of marriages, not 50% of people. And that counts people who are multiply divorced. They go into the count. So there are really a majority of people that are not divorced. Anyhow, the point here is everybody doesn't have to be unhappy or feeling like a victim. So... Everybody needs to, um, <laughs> that is happily married, kind of they have a more realistic view about if I bring something to the table, I get something. The nicer I act, the better the other person acts. So if this is your situation and you struggle with um, really thinking right now about what you bring to the table as a partner, because I'll give you a minute, right? I'm not going to stop talking for a minute. That's insane. But you could press pause. <laughs> um, if you press pause, you can really introspect. Try, try to come up in 60 seconds with what you really bring to the table that a new partner would really value. 
Remember, a new partner's not going to really value how many times you get little Madison to dance class in a week. That would be like, oh, that's cute. She's a good mom. All right, good. <laughs> Moving on. You know, so I'm talking about, are you fun to be around? Are you spontaneous? Are you attractive physically at, at whatever you can get to? You know, like whatever you used to look like, do you look anything like that anymore at all? You know, I mean, is it even in the same planet? So the person used to be attracted to you. Do you look anything like the person that they used to be attracted to at all? Do you even like smell the same? You know, I mean, would, would a Martian be able to come down to this planet and say, yes, human beings seem to age, but this one probably used to be this earlier version of it? Or do you look like two different people? Because, and it is in particular for men, ironically, women are thought to be, I don't know how, the deeper gender? No, women come in, they're like, He's so fat now. He's so bald. Oh, my God. Like, he don't look anything like he used to. Usually not actually bald. They're usually okay with bald because what could the guy do? But it's when a man that they met who used to be very active now has not exercised for two decades. That's when they get upset. And, of course, men are equivalent. Like, they don't like it either. Nobody likes when the partner just stops ever getting up from the couch. This is not an attractive quality for anybody. Also, like, you know, what do you do that's nice for that person in their love language? You could press pause and you could think of like 10 things that you do that are like really awesome for your spouse that would make you a catch. Okay, so press pause. Okay, I'm back. Has anybody thought of 10 things? Because if your marriage isn't good, I, I don't know if you could think of even three things. And if you look at those three things, they're probably like, I'm faithful. Well, yeah, you're faithful. You barely, you know, have the energy to get up and do anything except stare at the children and tell them how great they are. So good job being faithful. But really, what are you bringing to the table? Are you sweet? Are you loving? Are you caring? Do you go out of your way for this person? Do you engage in whatever their love language is? No, probably not. If you're not in a happy marriage. So think about it. Make yourself the person that would be appealing to other people in the world if you were on a dating website, which you may be if your marriage in fact leads to divorce. So you don't want to have to do all that work then. Why don't you try to do some of it now? Be, be the second wife that somebody or second husband that somebody would want to have right now in your first marriage and then see if you could turn it around. So maybe you should share this with your partner if you think you both are slouching, you're both not on your A-game, and say, what could we pragmatically do to be more appealing to one another? Can we, without the um, resources and time for couples counseling, can we ourselves decide to be what each other needs more? If even one couple listening to this can do that, then I will be happy, right? If even one family is made um, that they don't have to break up because people decide, oh my God, neither of us are really trying at all. And they decide to focus on themselves and what they can change. This happens, by the way. Like, you know, couples counseling actually works and people have epiphanies outside of couples counseling all the time, obviously, also. So an epiphany can come from anywhere. It can come from an article, a book, a retreat, uh, listening to a sermon at church, 
or a podcast. So try to think about what you are bringing to the table and how you can improve on that so that you really do deserve what you've been saying you deserve previously without having ever really thought about why you would potentially deserve such wonderful treatment if you are in fact not giving such wonderful treatment when you think about it. Wonderful treatment includes you yourself being a confident, healthy, dynamic person who your spouse likes to be around. And you know what can help with that? Obviously, therapy. Therapy can help you learn to be your best self. Individual therapy is frequently called for even more than couples therapy because people need to look in at themselves first in order to be a partner that can even have the bandwidth to try to work on a relationship. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this. Please do subscribe if you learned anything and have a wonderful day.